Get ready to be dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Dazed and Infused. Um, today's episode is going to be basically uh, kind of an editorial based on my observations in the cannabis business over the last four years. And no guests today. I just want to talk about some things that are going on and I think that need to be addressed. Um, first off, we're going to have a bunch of topics and we're going to start with banking, the immediate need for banking reform in this country. And we need to get our act together regarding banking in the cannabis industry. Um, it's fostering a very vibrant black market right now, the ability not to have banking. So in terms of federally, obviously we need banking reform. We need banking reform now. Um, I personally have been thrown out of two banks now with our company, um, basically, because they're just not comfortable dealing with the federal government on banking and legality issues. It's uh, posing nothing but problems for myself and other people and long, long, long-term um, issues with regard to um, soaking up a lot of resources from cannabis companies and soaking up a lot of time and effort that could be redirected toward good works in the cannabis business. So um, I ask all representatives out there to pass the current bill that just went through the house and is now in the Senate's hands. And hopefully by the time of airing of this episode, this will have occurred. Um, getting into the black market issue, when you're looking at taxes of 15 to 35, perhaps even higher percentage, as I've heard in Chicago, um, there's a problem because if you can go to your corner guy slinging weed and he's going to sell you that eighth for 25 bucks that's a hell of a lot better than 75 dollars and um this impacts a lot of people um we'll get into more about who it impacts in a in its next subject but the reality is banking is hurting this industry taxation is hurting this industry we have to do something we have to do it now um it's been way too long this has been on the table a while. And when we're dealing with bureaucrats in whether it's Sacramento or Denver or Washington, D.C., these are people who do not work in the private sector. These are people who work in the public sector. They're guaranteed a paycheck, as we've seen during COVID. Every week they get a paycheck, regardless of what they do or how they've done it. None of it is performance-based. End of, end of story. My job is performance-based. I'm sure everyone listening and watching this podcast right now has a performance-based job. If you don't do your job, you get kicked out. We have a huge amount of people and politicians in our government system who are there and have been there a long time. And not for very good reasons either. Um, they just simply have been there. Um, so take a look at your politicians the next time you vote and see, do they represent your needs, your wants, your desires, and vote vote them out. If they're not voting for the Safe Banking Act and passing that soon, I suggest you vote them out. 
Um, for those of us who love cannabis and love the lifestyle and love everything about the cannabis world, it's time to take some action. Um, let's go back to the, the old, you know, historical uh, saw, or as they say, you know, saying is taxation without representation. Well, certainly the cannabis industry right now is being taxed without adequate and proper representation. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. We need taxation with representation. We do not need taxation without. Uh, as we all know is from history books in the fourth grade and fifth grade, a large uh, battle and large war was fought over this very issue, taxation without representation. Uh, when our British overlords decided just to tax the crap out of us here in the colonies, um, we basically said we've had enough. And I think that time is now. Say you've had enough and don't play the game anymore. Don't play this game about being overly taxed with bureaucrats in Sacramento or wherever or DC saying that we need to be taxed to a, a level that has never been seen before in human history. Um, alcohol has an easier way of it. And along with taxation, let's talk about the regulation and the onerous amount of paperwork that we all in the business have to go through to get good weed to the dispensary and have it done properly. Another reason why the black market is thriving. No one likes to do reams and reams and reams of paperwork. Nobody. Um, it's just a natural thing. And uh, I think all of these things are inter intertwining themselves. Um, taxation, banking, paperwork, compliance. It's a big problem that needs to be streamlined. I know in California, we're, at least we're trying to streamline some of it. But I've recently heard that certain jurisdictions are raising taxes. They're not lowering it. They're raising taxes. Um, along with uh, taxes being raised at the dispensary level, we also have taxes being raised on the per square foot for growers and for um, people who are doing extracting. So all of these things combined contribute to a robust and powerful black market. We need to change this model and we need to change it soon. So that's I'm off my soapbox on that one. And we're going to move on to another subject. And that's something that's been bugging me for years. And I wanted to talk about it. It's misogyny, misogyny in Canvas. There is no place for this anymore. Don't care what you think. Don't care how you think we need to be, you know, conducting ourselves in terms of like, you know, our relationship to men, women, transgender, um, whatever. Misogyny has no place in cannabis. Um, that whole thing, that whole old thing about, you know, bitches and hoes, it's over. It has to end. This is just ridiculous. And I think um, what turned me was going to uh, High Times, San Bernardino a couple of years ago as a person who had a tent and um, the gangster rap all day. I love rap. No problem with rap. But, you know, hearing bitch, ho screamed 35 times in two songs, it's a lot. And I don't think we need to deal with it anymore. So um, hopefully you'll make your, your um, opinion known by your listening standards and who you watch, who you buy in terms of music. Um, just remember, it's like this is not a proper way to conduct anybody in or yourself in a in public place or in a private space. It's just not right. And it's over. So let's let's stop it. 
let's stop it now. Moving on to our next subject is one that is a sore subject and it may make some enemies for me, but here's the reality. We have to start addressing um, from a growing standpoint, our environmental impact. You cannot tell me that growing indoor in the desert is a better way than growing outdoor in Nor NorCal or Central Valley. You can't. It's a nonsensical argument that has no basis in reality. And quite frankly, it is about greed. It will come to a point where this will be analyzed from a compliance standpoint, from an environmental impact standpoint, where this will be recognized as a major contributor to uh, the degradation of our environment. No ifs, ands, or buts. I, I ask anybody to come on and de debate me with this subject because it you can't make an argument. Um, 300, 400 light set up in um, the desert of California with water issues, power issues, um, climate control issues, um, scrubbing the air, getting rid of dirty water. Come on, doesn't make sense. Now, one thing that is good though on this whole side is that testing in California is very rigorous. Um, all of our cannabis is tested at a cat three level and heavy metals, pests, pesticides. This is all cleared. So we know at least the stuff coming from indoor and outdoor are equally clean when they go to the market. So that's a positive and it's definitely a step in the right direction. So when you buy cannabis, think about what the origin is. Sun-grown is just that. It's sun-grown. And I'm going to be an advocate for Northern California because I am a Northern Californian and most of my friends grow outdoor. And they're, I've always loved their weed and I've always loved the way they do things. And I like the way they're caretakers for the environment. They live, eat and breathe the environment every day, period. They use the world here and the earth that they, they till in as their partner. It's not a, um, a pot in, in a house. It's, it's the dirt. It's the dirt, the living soil. Um, there are a lot of companies out there um, like Hashtags and Helladank and, and many, many, many others who do living soil. These are important things for our environment. They're also the way forward, the way forward for all cannabis cultivation, because without being a steward of the earth, without being a proper citizen of this earth and a farmer, you're not going to get the end result we all think. It's going to be a degradation of the environment, and that's just the way it is. So please, um, I invite comments on this, and I invite um, any open debate on it. I will have you on an, an episode if you'd like, and I'd like to hear you plead your case because from what I've seen, not possible. Um, so let's leave that subject, and we'll go on to another <laughs> ugly subject and it is greed profiteering and the disenfranchised and all these three subjects go together so on the retail side we see a lot of apparent greed is it greed maybe maybe not 
a lot of it is tax-based, a lot of it is municipality-based, meaning it's very hard for a retail establishment to stay open, pay their payroll, um, make ends meet, and continue to buy interesting and different inventory. But there are instances where certain retail establishments are gouging their community. And by their community, I mean our community. That is the cannabis community as a whole. That means every one of us who enjoys cannabis as part of their life and use it daily or every other day or whatever your schedule is. That is a reality. So everyone is being affected by profiteering and greed. Um, it adversely affects the disenfranchised. Um, and it adversely affects those with lower incomes who oftentimes, especially in this country, because we have the world's shittiest healthcare system, they are disenfranchised to a level that they don't have options for medicine. And we know, everyone who listens to my podcast knows that cannabis is a medicine. I don't, I, I'll argue that with anybody because I have personal experience with this with being on what I've mentioned many times in the show, the death spiral, where I was in a, a car accident, was on many medications, and I seriously thought at one point I was going to die. Um, cannabis got me out of that. And today I don't take anything except twice daily CBD and some THC tincture at night. I, I smoke, of course. The reality is the disenfranchised, the people who don't make much money, don't have a lot of access to capital. They are the people who are being robbed of this wonderful plant that we all love and sell, make, and use. So in, in that subject, Let's, let's drift off to um, the disenfranchise is always a black and brown issue in this country, to the most part. I mean, um, majority of Americans are white, but the disenfranchised black and brown communities, Asian, um, some Asian communities are disenfranchised, and they do not have the same access to jobs, legal assistance, um, housing in some, some instances and so many other things. By profiteering, you're affecting the overall lifestyle of the disenfranchised and black and brown people. This is just how it is. It's unfortunate. And these are the same people who can't afford our so-called legal medicines. And that's Big Pharma, who now found out that in the heroin, uh, big thing with the um, whatever their name is, the pharma company that uh, just basically sold oxy to every person they could possibly get it into, just recently decided to declare bankruptcy. So they don't have to pay that big bill anymore. Isn't that convenient? Isn't that convenient? While all, the, all of us in the cannabis world are continually paying taxes, compliance, and we're getting gouged at retail because of those things. The disenfranchised, of course, pay more because it's a bigger part of their income stream. So we need to adjust. We need to say something. We need to get out there and scream into the wind. We will not be taxed without representation. And we should stick up for our disenfranchised brothers and sisters. And we should make our stand. It's, it's time. Um, with regard to the disenfranchised also, um, it's a fairness issue. 
is just a fairness issue. We need to make um, everything fairer in terms of affordability and afford to access. So when you go to the dispensary next time, look who you're buying from. If you know or you can identify a company that makes great products and they are owned by an African-American or Latino or Asian family or anybody, buy from them, support them because that's a, a powerful signal. Retail and your sales channel and actually transacting American dollars for goods is a traditional way of saying we approve and we want you to succeed. So there you go. Um, this past week, I had the pleasure of going to Hall of Flowers um, up here in Sonoma County Fairgrounds. It was a good show, pretty, pretty tranquil. Uh, one thing I can say is if you are in police work, that is the probably the best gig you could ever have. I have never seen a more mellow crowd except at other cannabis events than Hall of Flowers. All cannabis events for that matter that I've attended have been very, very mellow, very chill. And so policemen and police women out there are probably pretty damn happy because they didn't have very much to do. They all looked happy, smiles on their faces walking around, which was refreshing and uh, non-threatening. So that was good. Um, Hall of Flowers was... Um, little subdued and um, not a lot of innovative or different products there, which is, was disappointing to me as a distributor. I was looking for those uh, interesting things that will bring interest and in, uh, to the consumer and a way um, to represent more and different ways of consuming cannabis that unfortunately was not represented. So if you're listening to this and you have an interesting product, reach out to me. Uh, you can reach me at Latham, L-A-T-H-A-M, at sensedistribution.com. That's S-E-N-S-E, distribution.com. Love to hear your story, and I'd love to hear what products you're making, because I'm all about the new, different, and fun. Um, my many brands that we carry in-house um, all represent that ethos. So please reach out to me anytime. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, I can also say that Hall of Flowers was hopefully the first good out of the gate post COVID thing we've, we've had. Um, let's hope for many more and attend them. If you can, if you're in the business, hollow flowers is for the cannabis community only you can buy a ticket, but it's very, very costly. Um, but other events are coming up and hopefully we'll have some of ours, including our house 420. And if you like cannabis events and you work in the cannabis field, you can look us up at www.house420. That's H A U S. 420.com. Sign up on our list and we will automatically notify you of our next event in a region near you. Um, okay, so that's what we saw this past week at Hall of Flowers and it was great. Um, let's get back into the traditional market, aka the black market. Do you blame people for being in the traditional market? I certainly do not. There's a need for it. They serve as a community. It's, you know, contrary to what I said about uh, the taxation and uh, the traditional market, but here's the reality. The traditional market serves the demographic. They do. And until we get that tax reform, the traditional market will be here and it will be a thorn in the side of many people in law enforcement and people on the legal growing side. Recently, about two months ago, I think they pulled in, I think it was 400,000 plants or 
close to that, down in the valley, um, lower valley in the desert. And um, most of that was illegally grown. I think all of it was illegally grown. Um, a lot of illegal um, or, you know, stateless people working there. Not a good thing because there's no, you know, employment, you know, oversight. There's no working condition oversight. There's no, there's no benefits in general, not just medical and that kind of thing, but no benefits for these people. In fact, a lot of them could be basically, you know, modern slaves. They're in there doing work day in and day out just to get those um, fields done. And who knows if they're cartel connected? They could be. I'm not going to say they are, but they could be. So um, the traditional market, I see why you're there. I see the need. I see that it feeds um, people, especially in disenfranchised communities, again, um, their medicine. Um, so if you're in state government, national government, look at that and say, what's wrong in this mix? And I think you'll figure it out unless you're incredibly daft. Uh, obviously, this show is always brought to you by Shuggies, S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S, delicious sugar, agave, and stevia, all made with THC. We recently released our stevia with 100 milligrams of THC. So if you are sugar intolerant or you're diabetic or you require a sugar-free diet, try our stevia out. And I think you'll make it a part of your day. Also, we have a 500 milligram pourable agave tincture coming out um, that for you heavy hitters, I think will hit the mark for you. It's a delicious, um, always delicious agave treat. And you should look for it in a dispensary near you. And if you don't have sugars in a dispensary near you, ask for it. That's it. Ask for it because no one's going to get anything in a dispensary unless you ask for it. So to all of our retailers out there who carry the Shuggies product line, thank you very much and keep ordering. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you for buying Shuggies every week. Um, let's go back and we're going to talk about, are we ready for open interstate legalization? My answer to that is no. We barely have a grasp on how the system works in California. It's constantly challenging us. The state agencies have gone from CDPH and BCC now to the DCC. Um, and the state is figuring out, we're figuring it out. There is no way that the federal government can do a better job than the state government because the state governments are tending to the needs of their citizens. And that's the important thing. They're tending to the needs of their citizens um, first. And I think once we get the models going, whether it's California or whether it's Michigan or Nevada or Colorado or any of the legal states, and once everyone's um, come together and said, yeah, I think we've got this shit together. I think we can do this and I think we can do it well. Only then can they go to the federal government and say, we've got a system, here's how it works. If we let the federal government get involved in how this is orchestrated and how the whole process goes, it will be a shit show like you've never seen before in your life. Hands down. It will be the worst day for cannabis ever. Don't wish for this to happen soon. Let's, let's play it out a little longer and see what can be done and how we do this right so that legalization on a national scale goes off without a hitch. We don't need more problems right now. What we need are solutions. And I think if we all think about it a little bit, legalization is not the right thing right now. On the same subject, um, 
I was talking to someone today about um, MSOs, multi-state operators. Um, if you are a brand out there and you're considering being an MSO and you do not have deep pockets, uh, long and short of it is this is not a good investment. Um, you will have a lot of problems. You'll sign deals you won't want to do. You will be in partnerships you don't want to be in and you will want to get out of them eventually at a very high cost. MSOs um, typically are very well-funded. They're funded by um, corporations through shells. Um, they're funded through Canadian corporations. They're funded through stock market in Canada. There's a many, many, many ways that these true MSOs um, are getting out there to market. It's an uh, expensive, costly, time-consuming effort that will distract a smaller, medium-sized brand from its primary mission that's getting out to the market in their home state. Um, so MSOs, I think it's just too early for this. The consolidation effort is um, afoot. Uh, M&A action is getting more feverish every day. Um, good properties are being swung into bigger portfolios and by properties, I mean companies. Um, they're being consolidated and brought together as a bigger group. A lot of times that's great. It's what you need. You need that capital. And you also need uh, professionals helping you with your efforts um, to get your stuff out there. So I think MSOs are a little early for a lot of people. If you are considering one, be very careful and be attentive to what is being offered you. Um, don't jump at the lowest hanging fruit. It may not pay off for you in the end. Um, as you can see in the background, I've got my new little studio mock-up studio here, and I'm very happy to be existing in a newer environment, which is nice. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And if you do have any subjects you want to broach on the program, uh, now that we're about 105 episodes, um, please reach out to us at Latham, L-A-T-H-A-M, at sensedistribution.com. That's S-E-N-S-E distribution.com. Love to hear your thoughts, and I'd love to hear who you'd like to interview, because I think some of our best tracked interviews are with what I call feet on the ground, soldiers in the field. Those are people who work the front lines of cannabis every single day. And those are the innovators and changers in this market that really make a difference. Also, if you know makers, um, people who make products who are in the cannabis space, love to hear about them. And, and again, that email is Latham at sensedistribution.com and feel free to reach out. Post-COVID, let's just hope this is post-COVID because we're all sick of this shit. I'm going to say one thing. The cannabis community stepped up in an amazing way. Everyone I know in the cannabis community has worked harder than they've ever worked before and often without great results, but they kept beating the bushes. So my salute here is to what I do consider essential workers in the cannabis field and say thank you for your efforts, not, not only for my employees, but every employee in it, every dispensary, every person at a distributor, every person at the, the you know, transport services, um, you know, metric, everybody. You've done great work. And without cannabis, I think this world would have gone truly insane in, in so many of the legal states during COVID because it would have just made the black market the biggest thing ever. It would have grown 50-fold had the government, governments of this country not said, yeah, you are essential. And I believe that was the correct decision, obviously, because 
it needed to be said, it needed to be done. And so I know I've never worked harder in my life, right? When I thought, um, you know, things were going to get easier. They're not, they're getting, you know, staying hard and uh, the work continues and it is continuously difficult. And so my hat's off to everybody in the cannabis community for doing their thing during the pandemic. And let's just hope right now um, the pandemic is really winding down. And if you aren't vaccinated, my advice is do get vaccinated. I do believe in free choice. So if you choose not to get vaccinated, you're going to have to take the consequences with that decision too. But, but that's your, that's your um, prerogative. And I'm not going to hold that against you. It's, it's your belief system and your um, value of your body that makes, you know, it an important decision for you to make. Um, so basically that's kind of it right now. I, I'm looking forward to more uh, topics from the audience and I'd love to hear. Um, so let's hope for a better 2022 and let's hope for the continued conviviality and the comradeship of the cannabis community. Let's keep the can-do in cannabis. Let's keep this community real, focused, and communal because it's so, so important. Right now, especially with the just cancel culture and so many other things that are happening, it's important to realize that we as a community standing together, raising our voices, refusing to pay taxes without representation means so much. Scream it to whoever will hear it. Cannabis is a legal thing in so many states now. Taxation without representation is illegal, okay? We fought a giant war against the British because of it. This is the most important thing we can do is to be representative in our government with our tax dollars rather than not having representation. So on that note, I wanna wish everyone a happy end of 2021. Uh, let's kick COVID to the curb and let's hope for a prosperous 2022. As always, this show is brought to you by me. You can find me at, at Papa Shuggy on Instagram. You can find us at, at that Shuggy's feeling on Instagram and at dazed underscore infused on Instagram. Follow us and we really appreciate your patronage and we really appreciate you watching this podcast. So from all of us here at Sense Distribution, from Shuggies, and from the greater cannabis community and Days and Infused, I say, have a great day. Bye -bye. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.